night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go Beyond Reality. Welcome to Beyond Reality Radio with me, Jason Hawes, and the always awesome J.V. Johnson. You know, it's always a little bit warmer, a little bit sunnier, even though it's midnight. A little bit... Um, sunnier and midnight what? <laughs> I'm just using uh, metaphors. I'm using yeah. metaphors. It's great to have you here tonight weekend. It's, you know, it's it's, it was a long week. It was, always, it was a long week last week. It was. You know, we didn't get a chance to a, chat. It's been a little crazy, I know. And just trying to get things all situated to make everybody really happy come October. Well, welcome back to the program. It's good <laughs> well, to have you good. here. When are you going to be able to talk about this? Um, I'm thinking relatively soon, so mm-hmm. we'll see, but, you know, I mean, it, I've been straight, you know, I'm, we're doing a new show, Steve, myself, Dave, and, and, uh, you know, it's going to be airing this fall, bottom line. So, uh, but can't let the cat out of the bag with the name of the show or the network or, or anything yet, but uh, it'll be soon enough, but yeah. we are going to be back this year. That's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun, right? I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a great time. Yeah. So uh, a couple weeks ago, we had a guest on the program named Joe McQuillan, and he wrote a book about the loss of his son and his subsequent effort to contact his son. The book was called My Search for Christopher on the Other Side. Um, And during that uh, discussion, we had a phone call um, from a uh, a regular caller to the program who lives in Rhode Island. And he said, have you spoken to, and he was talking to the guest, have you spoken to David Kane?" Um, about his story, because yes. his son, Nick, uh, was lost tragically in the Station Nightclub fire, what, in 2003? 2003, and I've spoken with with uh, Dave in the past. Actually, I had him on Beyond Reality Radio back when it was Grant and I, just on WPRO in, uh, in Rhode Island. And uh, he's just a great, great guy. But the Station Nightclub car, uh, fire occurred, and uh, I think it was a Thursday, February 20th, 2003, in West Warwick, Rhode Island. And it's uh, definitely a touchy subject for me because I lost friends. My wife lost friends. We lost people we graduated with. Um, my brother-in-law was a survivor. He kicked out the wall in the bathroom and was able to crawl uh, and crawl and say, you know, save his own life. Other people got out with him. But um, we lost about 100 people. And we, we lost a big DJ from here in Rhode Island as well. And uh, it was just really a, a tough night. And my house was only one main road away so we were able to hear hear it all as it was going on too yeah which i can't imagine the sounds coming from something as tragic as that but we are going to have so uh, to finish what i was saying uh, slick eddie reached out to david right away and we got him on the program he's going to be joining us tonight we're going to talk about his uh, experience as a father who lost tragically again a child um, in a, a disaster situation uh, and he's written a book about his experiences called 41 signs of hope and um, it's another, you know, whenever you start talking about a, um, a situation that involves a tragic loss of a child, especially it can be anybody, but a child, especially um, you automatically think sadness and emotional pain and, and all that stuff is true. However, both uh, Joe McQuillan's story and Dave Kane's story uh, actually has have very uplifting messages and they they want to share those messages with other people who are grieving or have had similar loss. Well, and I think, and it, like I said, it's going to, it's going to be a tough subject tonight. It really is. And it's going to be a tough subject for me. It's going to be a tough subject for David. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand, you know, what went down or why people weren't able to get out. Um, but you got to understand that the station nightclub used to go in one door and that, and you'd push the door in. 
but you couldn't push the door out coming back the other way. Well, most people there showing up for a great white concert didn't know that. So uh, you, know, you had to go out through the back door. And, you know, when the fire broke out, pyrotechnics set off, uh, caught the foam on fire in the ceiling. I mean, there's video online. You can see it. Um, and it just within you know, so many seconds, the whole the whole t roof was on fire and it was melting down onto people. And uh, people were running towards the front door and they couldn't get out. I mean, you can't open the door that way. And it was just a shame. Yeah. It just, and it and actually, it really, uh, it you tough, know, tough time. And actually, if you know, if if you look at the aftermath, if you have to look at a silver lining in that dark cloud, you know that uh, fire regulations uh, were changed and things have been examined thoroughly to prevent something similar uh, happening. So, yeah. um, you know, as bad and as tragic as it all is, you have to look for at least some positive to come from it and um, hope that the folks that lost their lives didn't lose their lives in vain, if you will, um, because. Maybe this, uh, what happened to them, will make sure that it doesn't happen to anybody else. So oh, exactly. So you got to look at you got to look at some of the positive on that. But again, it's going to be a tough night tonight, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a great and interesting night as well. It is, and then we've got some great shows coming up uh, for the rest of the week as well. Uh, tomorrow night, one of our good friends, Jay Lyle Blackburn, will be on the show. He's of course one of the leading cryptid researchers uh, in the field. Um, he's going to be talking about general cryptids, Bigfoot, and or. Well, not Andor. We'll definitely be talking about his new book called Momo. That sounds a little ominous, doesn't it? Momo. Momo. That's that darn thing that keeps on showing up all over online. The strange case of the Missouri monster. Oh, uh, maybe something totally that different something than the else? Momo that I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. But I keep on seeing all this this meme or whatever the heck it is of yeah. this weird thing. Ah, whatever. But uh, And then Wednesday, we've got Andrea Pelesian. She'll be discussing her book, uh, her research and book on crop circles and how uh, she's come to believe how they are man-made. Um, in the second hour that night, we'll also have Michael Hawley on, uh, and we'll be talking uh, yeah, forensic science, claiming to have collected DNA on uh, shawls, supposedly taken off the body of Jack the Ripper victims. So, Yeah, there was a shawl that was co collected from one of the victims, uh, Catherine, uh, I think it's Edows is her name, um, and, and they've talked for a lot of years that they might be able to pull DNA off that, and uh, so I think that's what we're going to be talking about to see if that DNA, because there's a blood stain on it, if the DNA from the blood stain matches um, a, a stain that uh, could be a descendant of a Jack the Ripper suf suspect. So it's it's a complicated thing, full of DNA and and uh, evidence that yeah, we're going to be a little lost there on it. <laughs> yeah. But there was just something recently, and I I again I've been traveling and everything else, so I haven't really uh, looked into it. But there, somebody had released an article saying that. There was this whole new tie to who Jack the Ripper was. It was uh, supposedly a barber. Have you? Yeah, seen I saw that actually. Yeah, saw that story. So mm -hmm. you know about as much of it as me. Then that's as far as I go. Well, yeah. that's uh, that's about it. Okay. In fact, when I, I read that just the other day, and when I saw that we've got Michael Hawley coming on, I assumed that it was, had something to do with that, but it doesn't. But I know this uh, shawl has been talked about a lot, and I think in uh, what Jeff Mudgett's. Uh, um, the, the show he had on for a little bit while they even talked about that show. Oh, yeah. The yeah. One about his great, great Finding the refi American Holmes. Ripper or whatever it was. Yeah. 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 So, so, so um, and also another story, Jimmy. Uh, a month after, now, uh, you know Chupacabra, right? Goat sucker. I don't know him oh, personally, but you, know, you don't know him personally. He's not, actually not, not a bad guy. He gets <laughs> yeah. a bad rap. But uh, so a month after being blamed for mysterious death of a farm worker in a Honduran village, the infamous Chupacabra is suspected of killing yet another person in a nearby community. 
This bizarre, the bizarre initial incident occurred in mm. February when a man was bitten on the foot by an unseen predator and his body was seemingly drained of all its blood. Since uh, the farmer's demise came amid of uh, speculation on what animal actually did this damage, and uh, they claim that it was a notorious blood-sucking chupacabra. So now their concerns have been amplified after a second individual died under strange circumstances. According to a local media outlet, a young man named Giovanni left a party in the town in, in town at around midnight one evening a few weeks ago and vanished on his way home. After three days of searching, his body was found in a hard-to-reach hollow in a remote mountainous location near the village. Those who discovered his remains were mystified by the location since they could not figure out how he would have wound, wound up there. They were also horrified when they noticed that, like the farmer who had recently died, Giovanni had been drained of all his blood as well. Wow. So mm. that says that pretty much Honduras is not the place to go on a vacation right now. Yeah, that, I'm thank, thankfully that's where, not where I'm going. And I, I, it, so it's either it's either Chupacabra or Bella Lugosi's now move to uh, Honduras. I mean, a really, really short Bella Lugosi. <laughs> yes, I mean, sure bite everybody in the feet. <laughs> that's probably not a. It's kind of a crappy, crappy way to go. Yeah, I suppose it is. Wow, that's that's interesting because that is another one of those elusive cryptids. And we'll have Lyle uh, Blackburn on tomorrow, so we'll be able to talk about that. Yeah, and Chupacabra is a creepy little thing. Yeah, so. it is. All right, so on that note, we're going to take a break and get our guest, David Kane, on the line. You'll listen to Jason and JV, Beyond Reality Radio. We'll be back after this. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We'll take calls in the uh, latter half of the program at 844-687-7669. Tonight, our guest is David Kane. He's an author and, more importantly, a father. His website is Dave. Kane with a K, K A N E dot net. And he's written a book called 41 Signs of Hope, and he has a tremendous story to share with us tonight. Uh, Dave, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, hi, thanks very much for inviting me. It's good to talk to you again. It's been a long time. Yeah, it has been a long time, huh? So let's. Um... Uh, I'm sending you that 20 bucks I owe you. Anything <laughs> yeah, well, okay, but oh. there's interest now. So. <laughs> yeah, oh, jeez, again. <laughs> um, I know we're going to be talking about. Uh, your son, uh, what happened to your son, tragically, and then uh, what you've done since and how you've been able to communicate with him. Before we get there, let's learn a little bit more about you, Dave. Um, I understand you're a comedian, or were, or are. Well, that's a matter of opinion, I guess, right? (laughs) You get in front of an audience and they decide how funny you are. Uh, Yeah, I've been, I mean, I've I've been in comedy for a lot of years. I've been in broadcasting for a lot more years. I've been from some of the finest radio stations in New England, um, <laughs> and uh, I mostly talk radio. And the comedy stuff came um, over a period of years, and I'm still doing a couple of shows now that I do. Uh, I only work um, for nonprofits, though, only for charities, 501c3s, um, organizations like that. And uh, I'm having a great time. Is that something that you are doing um, since you lost your son? Is is that what the charity angle is, or is it something you've oh, always no, done? Oh no, no, no! I've been doing I've been doing that for years. I no, see. I've been doing uh, one character for 
over almost 40 years. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, my other show is rel- relatively new, but I, um, just decided that I wanted, I, I had done what we used to call retail. I worked nightclubs and, and banquet halls and stuff like that. And, uh, and then I had decided that I really wanted to help charities and I figured out a way to do it. And, uh, it's, I've just been having a great time doing it. And uh, you've spent a great deal of time in radio as well. You, you said uh, that you're actually more of a radio guy than a comedian. Um, what kind of radio stuff do you do? Well, kind of talk. Well, I do. Believe it or not, I do talk radio, um, and I, I did it for years. Uh, and um, uh, right now, I'm just doing a Saturday morning show to keep my my tongue in it, as they say, and uh, just just uh, kind of a. a, a pretty freewheeling show i'm guessing similar to yours uh and i don't except i don't have any specific agenda i just kind of go all over the place some of it's serious and a lot of it's fun well how about how was your time at wkfd in north kingston that was a great time right oh my god who knows about that oh you've been you've been reading my <laughs> dossier well i only bring that up because it was it was uh not a relatively long time was it <laughs> It was a day, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. How do you know? Is that, How do you know that? Oh, come on. You, you brought that up to me a long time ago as well. <laughs> oh, you still remember? Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I was driving. I was just a teenager because um, I've been in the I've been in broadcasting and hung around since I was 14. And I was about 17. And I, I had a job with a daytime radio station. And of course, the daytime as it used to show it off, you know, daylight saving time, and they would be a little longer and show it off about eight o'clock. So I got the job doing six to eight in the evenings. Um, and I, I was all excited and I was driving to the job the first night and I was listening to a New York radio station and I heard a disc jockey say, you're doing it in the shack in the back with the big daddy. And I thought, that's so cool. So with my little 17-year-old voice, I get on the air and said, you're doing it in the shack in the back with Dave Kane. <laughs> and and that that night, the program director walked in and said, you're gone. <laughs> you know, it, it's... And that was the end of that. No, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, it, that's that, that is uh, it's, it's a that's a kind of a um, I don't know what to say it, but uh, it's a radio story that many of us who've been in radio for a long time can very well sympathize because you get inspiration from a major market uh, station or something along those lines, and you try to use it in a local station, and the management just doesn't have the same tastes. Yeah, yeah, that's right, and and also of course your delusions. You know, I I was a little few years after that I applied for a job. At a big radio station, I had no no right even being in the building, and the guy, <laughs> the program director that that turned me down for the job, said, "Well, the trouble with you is, boy, you got yourself a regional accent, <laughs> and if you didn't have one of them, we could probably hire you." <laughs> uh, and I said, "Well, I get that message." Yeah, um, but but radio's changed a lot. You mentioned that your show and when in the talk radio that you're doing, you kind of uh, you get to talk about whatever you feel like it and i tell you jason and i uh, frequently would say boy i wish we could talk about a, a topic that happens to have us fired up at any given any given day and it's not always paranormal yeah, stuff but we probably would lose half of the uh <laughs> the channels that we are on well the, the, the radio country. stations carrying us would lose their fcc 
licenses, I would suspect. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> you, lose, you lose yours first. They don't even have them anymore. No, they don't. I still have, have, we had third-class licenses yeah. we had to have. Yeah, I, ha- I still have mine. I've got it in a frame. You have? Yeah. I do. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. They yep. stopped and requiring that. to get it, too. They stopped requiring that, I think, in the late 80s or early 90s, something around there. I, I got yeah, mine in 81, yeah. but... Yeah. Anyway, so we have a lot to talk about, and we're going to go to break here. But before we do, you've got a website. It's DaveKane.net. Just tell people what they can find if they go to your website. Yeah, well, so it uh, talks about my um, – um, excuse me. Hey, uh, by the way, I've had some um, uh, uh, bronchial pneumonia oh, geez. in the last several weeks, and I'm, I'm recovering now, so I apologize for the coughing. Um uh, on my website, it talks mostly about uh, my um, my work, uh, my performing work for charities. And also, uh, it does spotlight my book, 41 Signs of Hope. And I hope people will give it a shot and see what they think. And I don't even think there's a reference to WKFD in, in, uh, <laughs> on there, but you can read my bio. And if you don't fall asleep, you'll have something to do. <laughs> Our guest tonight, Dave Kane, he's an author and a father. His website is davekane.net. His book is called 41 Signs of Hope. Do you prefer David or Dave? Uh, it's Dave. Yeah, Dave would be fine. Yeah. I'm just thinking you depressed me about my radio career now. I thought all of these years in radio and television, writing, producing, hosting, and uh, the culmination is an interview in this time slot. Yeah. <laughs> You've arrived. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but hey, but you're you're airing on like a hundred uh, hundred stations oh, across yeah, the country. No, I'm, I'm just teasing with you. <laughs> it's guys, a lot. You know it's that. a lot better than that one night in WPRO. That's exactly right. <laughs> See that? So, Dave, let's, good. let's um. Let's take a minute, and I'm going to preface this by saying that you know the, the stuff we're going to be talking about tonight um, is obviously very emotional, and at times can be very, very difficult. So if, if either of us ask anything that's hard, uh, you know, don't be don't be shy in telling us it's too difficult to discuss. Um, oh, not at all. No, I, I want to talk about everything because it's a very, very important story to tell. So let's start by learning a little bit about your son, Nick. Well, Nicky um, uh, was the uh, youngest victim of the Station Nightclub fire. It happened in 2003. Um, it was the fourth largest nightclub fire in the country's history. Uh, 100 people died, 200 people seriously maimed and injured. And um, as I said, Nick was the youngest victim. And um, beginning the day after the fire, uh, Nikki started to send us signs that we'll talk about tonight, I know. Just to tell you about Nikki, he was a writer, a composer, a singer, an actor, a comedian, a playwright. A year before he died, he wrote a play called They Walk Among Us, and the play is about teenagers who die and come back as angels. Oh, wow. And we have had tremendous signs. Um, I, I'll just continue and then you guys jump in when you want me to stop yeah uh, you know what I, I, i'd uh, like to start this part of the conversation just learning more about uh you know nick before the the incident before the tragic fire uh you said he was a playwright a composer a singer um a very talented young man yeah this is this is a young boy who said to his mom one day you know he, they were going by a music store and he said you know i think i could learn to play guitar i'd like that so like good parents we've got him a guitar and we said to him, you know, Nick, you gotta you gotta practice, you know, you gotta take lessons. He took four lessons and wrote fifty songs. Oh wow. A tremendous talent. Uh he could uh, play a play a guitar like you go to a cocktail party and there's a guy at the piano and he can play anything. 
that's where Nick was. Wow. I, I When I was uh, doing a little bit of research for tonight's discussion, um, uh, you know, some pictures would show up on a Google search, and I think I saw some of him performing. Or, or the, Would that have been accurate? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, 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 his band was supposed to open. Uh, Great White was the, was the headlining band um, at the station that week. And Nick um, was supposed to, his, his band was supposed to open for Great White on Friday. And he went on Thursday night, the night oh, of the fire. He went oh. on Thursday to check out the room. So wow. yeah, he he was quite a talent. He got compared to um, Mick Jagger a lot. The stuff that he did, you know. But his writing is is was so so mature for a boy his age. I mean, it was just amazing. Wow. He um he was eighteen uh, <laughs> when the tragedy occurred. So he'd barely begun to live his life. That's right. Although he, he certainly crammed a lot in. I mean, he'd written all kinds of. We're talking about his writing. He wrote all kinds of prose and that wonderful play and and the music. Uh, the music was just amazing. The last uh, the last song that he he wrote. He was in the middle of writing it, and it was interesting because the la- the lyrics to the last song that he wrote was were. Um, Send me a sign to tell me that you love me, a sign nobody else will see. I'll never walk away from you. You've got me. Send me a sign. I'll try to believe. Oh, wow. I mean, it's nothing short of prophetic in a way, um, and and certainly heartwarming and touching at the same time. Yeah, he, he, and, and he was a funny kid. I mean, he was funnier than I ever thought of him, you know. <laughs> now, very, very quick wit. Yeah. Um, so February 20th, 2003, um, you know, I think I, I'm, I'm one of those folks who I remember seeing this, uh, kind of unfold on the news, but not understanding the, the magnitude, the gravity of what was occurring. Um, tell us for those who don't remember what happened that night, give us, you know, kind of the outline of, of, of well, what, what happened. happened was, uh, great white was going to appear this band, this old band that Nikki liked and, um, as I said, he went on Thursday. They, this this club was originally a P. Brillo. It was a little restaurant. And the capacity was 60 people. Well, um, that then changed owners a couple of times, and it finally ended up with these two guys, the Didarian brothers. And on the night, they hadn't added one foot to that place. And on the night of the fire, there were over 400 people in the building. Jeez. Wow. Uh, there was a, this very cheap soundproofing that had been put up because the neighbors were complaining about the noise from the bands. And that soundproofing, um, when uh, the Great White set off their, uh, their pyrotechnics in this small building with all those people, uh, the, the uh, soundproofing caught fire, and it was the smoke from the soundproofing that took the lives of the people who passed. Uh, the building was down in eleven minutes, and it was it was and, just and it was an insane but, night. I mean, I lived I lived uh, one main road over, and my brother in law was actually uh, one of the survivors from there. But uh, and friends of mine, their wives uh, are scarred for life from the the uh, stuff melting off the ceiling and dripping on them. Um, and yeah. I lost I lost people I went to school with as well. Um, so it was definitely it was a tough night, and it did go up extremely quick and. My, my gosh, I just, I couldn't imagine. 
Well, it was impossible to uh, know anybody in Rhode Island that didn't know somebody in that fire. Um, I mean, everybody had a connection to it. It was astounding. And there were people, a third of the people were from Massachusetts and some from Connecticut as well. So it, was a, it touched a lot of people. Well, and it also didn't help that the, the main door only opened one way, and you couldn't you couldn't go back. Well, out that the same was way. Well, that was the that was another problem. It, it it wasn't the main door. What happened was there was a door behind the stage that was supposed to be used for to you know to pack instruments and etc. And it it did go the wrong way, but that wasn't the problem. That you know the the fire marshal there had come into that building in the last three months each month and increased the capacity. Well, one of the things is when you increase the capacity, one of the things you need to do is to make the doors wider. And the main door to that nightclub hadn't, hadn't been adjusted at all. And you can see, if you go online, you can see the footage of all the people who are live, alive but stacked up on top of each other at that door trying to get out of the building. And there are people outside pulling them off the pile, trying to get them out of the building. So the whole place was just an inferno and completely illegal. And a lot of people, a lot more people should have done time for this and they didn't. When we look, I mean, it's it's obviously uh, painful, but um, you know, we can we can look back on what happened, and we can start to find what the flaws were. But it sounds to me like this was a perfect storm of um, what's the word um, um, <laughs> tragedy. But um, you know, there were things that were out of code. There there was there were too many people, um, and it all. I mean, it was a perfect storm of tragedy, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, this was this was not. Uh, it, it was just unbelievable. I mean, nobody cared about anything. You know, the last conversation I had with Nikki, uh, part of the last conversation, uh, his band was going to open for Great White on Friday, and I asked him how much he was getting for the gig, and he said, "Oh, we're getting tickets to the show to give out." You know, we can have as many tickets. And I said, "Well, how many are you getting?" He said, "Well, we can have as many as we want." And I said, Nick, that's not possible. Right. I said, I said they're charging whatever they're charging, twenty bucks, whatever it was for the ticket. I said they can't. You can't ask for a hundred tickets for your band. It's not, yeah, Dad. Yeah, they're going to give us all the tickets. We any tickets we want. Well, of course, later I find out that Nikki was right. This guy, uh, the Dedarian who involved in this, did he just sold tickets? He didn't care if he could get people in there or not. Wow. And so he didn't care how many the band got because, first of all, Nicky was very young and most of his friends couldn't get in there anyway. And and um, and it was just amazing. I mean, you realize that nobody cared about capacity. They wanted to get bodies in there to drink. That's all they cared about. Jeez. Um, I know that after that, and we're, we're going to get... Uh, Talking about your communication with Nick as well, but I want to I want to get some of these points because a lot of people ask these questions. After this fire, you became um, uh, involved with and active in an effort to uh, re-examine fire safety and codes. And tell us a little bit about the work you did as a result of this. Well, mainly, mainly I started um, uh, calling for a federal investigation uh, under the Hobbs Act and a few other things because uh, this was completely illegal. The fire marshal um, uh, should have been charged 
um, the state tried to say that he had immunity, but he didn't have immunity because he broke the laws uh, establishing the um, occupancy of that building. For instance, uh, when you go to a, into any restaurant, let's say, okay, and the capacity is uh, 100 people, and that includes the the tables and the chairs, and the, so they they give you so many feet per person. Right. If if you are if you are going to have standing room, you take the chairs out and the tables. Now they give you a few more feet per person, which allows you to have excuse me a few less feet per person, and it allows you to have more people in there. This fire marshal calculated the occupancy on waiting room. While you're waiting for your table, there's even a smaller amount that they attribute to you. And he, he, he calculated all of this as if everybody in the building was waiting for a table. Completely illegal. But, so let, Completely. Me, let me ask a difficult question, and I don't want to open up speculation or rumors here. But I don't also don't know how, what the investigation showed us. I know a little bit about how, you know how government employees or elected officials are liable or not liable for their actions. But if 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 a if a government employee takes a bribe to do something, that's illegal, and they can be held accountable for that. Yeah, it, yeah. Also, yes. Also, if they if they do something they know is illegal, then this guy had to know yeah. that it was completely illegal to, to calculate. So much so that he didn't put the sign up. He didn't put up the occupancy no more than X amount of people. He didn't put those signs up because he knew he couldn't justify. You know, mm-hmm. and here's another thing for you. You know, we talked about the foam, the sound, sound foam. When he was questioned by the state police, this fire marshal said, um, he was more upset about the door you mentioned uh, that went the wrong way. He had told him to put it the right way. He had it moved the right way, and the next time he visited, it was back the other way again. And he told the, the state police that he was more concerned. He he didn't even he didn't see any foam. He was concentrating on that door. Well, what he failed to mention is that that door was covered in the foam <laughs> we're talking about. Wow. Jeez. So this guy this guy was just a liar. And I can say that because I have every hope that he will sue me so that I can put him on a stand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was a liar. He was incompetent. And he ended up, but he got his. You know what happened? He retired with a complete pension, and he got he got a special pension because he had post-traumatic stress from that incident because everybody hated him. Oh, <laughs> Sometimes and he's now he's now living in Florida. Sometimes, on a yeah. Sometimes you, you you just that's just incredible. The phone number for calls during our next hour is eight four four six eight seven seven six six nine. If you want to join our discussion with Dave Kane, we're talking about his book Forty One Signs of Hope. And Dave, this is a short segment, but um, the uh, station fire was February twentieth, two thousand three. Tell us yeah. tell us what happened as you learned uh, about the tragedy. Well, I was in my office, and I had the TV on, and uh, one of the local stations here, Channel 10, um, came on with the story and actually uh, had some footage of the fire. Uh, and I knew Nikki had gone there that night, and I uh, grabbed my phone, and I started to call him. And, of course, I called him and called him and got no answer and no answer. And um, finally, um, my wife and I uh, decided we better go down there 
uh, and we couldn't get down there, and instead we were directed to uh, the end of the crossings, uh, which is a big hotel here. And um, as I was, there were people were gathering, and as I was sitting there talking about our, you know, our broadcast backgrounds on the air here, as I sat there with my wife, who was in complete shock, um, I realized that they were setting up what I had known to be a grief counseling center. You know, a, a rabbi come in, and then a priest would come in, and a minister, and saw some nuns, and the Red Cross started putting out food, and and uh, they were bringing in, <clears throat> there were doctors present, a couple of nurses, and I realized that this, this was this was not going to be good news that we heard. Did you, uh, did so, you, you didn't know at that point that the, what had happened to Nick? We weren't sure. We, 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 we didn't know what had gone on. I mean, for all we know, he could have gotten out. He, his phone could have been dropped. We went, uh, we went to the crossings after we had gone to two hospitals, one Rhode Island hospital, and then they told us there were other uh, survivors at Kent County. And at one point at Kent County, um, a nurse said, oh, and Nikki's last name was O'Neill, by the way. And, and, uh, so he said, oh, O'Neill, she said, yeah, I, I think he's down in, 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 uh, in a quick care and walk-in. She said, let me go see. So for 15, almost 20 minutes, we had this hope yeah. that Nikki was there, but it was, a, it was two different boys whose last name was O'Neill and had nothing to do with Nick. So we were devastated again, you know. Yeah. So it was it was a horrible night, and um, but then, as I say in my talk, based on my book, then comes the good news. Yeah, and we're going to get into that good news on the other side of the break, and this is where um, the, the the message really should should lie. So we're looking forward to that. Again, our guest tonight, David Dave Kane. He's the author of a book called Forty One Signs of Hope." He's a father uh, who lo- tragically lost his son Nick in the station uh, nightclub fire. His website is davekane dot net, and we'll be opening up the phone lines in the second hour at eight four four six eight seven seven six six nine. Again, toll free at eight four four. Six eight seven seven six six nine. You're listening to Jason and JV Beyond Reality Radio. We'll be back after this. Did you know that online retailers like Amazon have constant deals that can save you money on the things you buy every day? It's no joke. Save forty percent, fifty percent, even eighty percent on great products, and all you have to do is know about them. Noodle Shark is the way to be alerted when something good is coming your way. Noodle Shark is the social media page that lists great deals that not only save you money but give you the deals before anyone else has them. All you have to do is find Noodle Shark on Facebook. Search it as The Noodle Shark. That's The Noodle Shark because you deserve to save too. Become a shark and save. Welcome to Beyond Reality Radio with me, Jason Hawes, and the always awesome J.V. Johnson. You know, some discussions we have on the program are uh, emotional. This is definitely one of those. Um, We're going to continue our conversation with Dave Kane uh, in just a little bit. He lost his son, Nick, in the station nightclub fire February 20th, 2003, 16 years ago. Um... 
seems a little fresher than that. I'm sure it seems even more fresher to that today. But we'll bring him back in in just a moment. We've got some great shows coming up. Uh, tomorrow night, Jay, you brought up uh, Chupacabra. We're going to get a chance to talk to Lyle Blackburn tomorrow night. He is a cryptid researcher, one of the best. Yeah, one of the top out there. And he's going to be talking about Momo, the strange case of the Missouri monster. He's just written a book about it, um, among some other cryptid stories. So this uh, Chupacabra story would be a good one to bring up with him. Yeah, that would be great. And then Wednesday, we've got Andrea Pacelli, uh, Pileschi, I'm sorry. On, we'll be discussing her new <clears throat> her new book on crop circles and how uh, she came to believe that they are man made. So we'll check that out. Yeah, and then we've got uh, Michael Hawley joining us for the second hour of the program. Uh, he's written about uh, DNA collection on a blood stain that supposedly matches a descendant of Catherine Eddowes, um, and a DNA semen stain that supposedly matches a descendant of a known Ripper suspect. The uh, whole bottom line of of this is that DNA testing may confirm the um, uh, presence. Well, it may confirm. Uh, uh, what authorities have thought for some time as to one of the sub- suspects of, the, of Jack the Ripper. I don't know why I can't speak that it, out. It, it confirmed uh, the president. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> but let's leave that one alone. Anyways, uh, hey, if you haven't yet, make sure you head over to Facebook.com slash Beyond Reality Radio. Like that Facebook page for us. Then head to BeyondRealityRadio.com. You can find all the stations we are in across the country. The list is constantly being updated. You can also download the free smartphone apps, which allow you to listen live, catch past shows, join the online chat, and more. Or any night we're live, just click the Listen Live button, and you can listen to the show while browsing the rest of the web. If you download the show from iTunes or anywhere else, or if you don't, just subscribe to it. But if you do, uh, take two seconds of your time and rate it for us. It helps push it forward, makes it easier to find, and that's what it's all about. And uh, you guys are all out there enjoying the show. It's being downloaded tens of thousands of times a day, and we greatly appreciate that support. Yeah, I don't know why it's being downloaded so much. I can't speak tonight. I, I'm having trouble Maybe getting that's words. Maybe that's because they spend their time making funny. Poking, you think, you think it's a, a comedic thing? Uh, I make fun of you all day long. Well, that's so where, you know, I'm used else. to you making fun yeah, of me all day long. I mean, it's just geez. part of the deal, right? It's just part of I what's mean, going I mean, I text Amy funny things about you all day long. <laughs> All right, so let's go to um, uh, our guest line. Let's bring our guest, Dave Kane, back into the program. By the way, his website is davekane.net. He's written a book, 41 Signs of Hope. Dave, in the first hour, we were talking about the tragedy and how you lost your son, Nick. But as you hinted at earlier in our discussion, um, it, uh, everything kind of turned around almost immediately, didn't it? Did you like the way I set up the tease for you at the top of the hour? It was, it was ver- nice? very well done, yes. Give you a chance to segue right into the news. I mean, you, could, you could tell you did radio. Um, huh? you, can tell, you can tell that you've done radio, setting it all up. Yeah, like once that. in a while, yeah. I um, Actually, um, I wanted to correct one thing, and that is that I have not lost my son. You know, this is the very point of my being on with you guys, as you know. Um, I, the, I want people to know that our loved ones don't go anywhere. You know, Bobcat Goldthwait used to, in his stand-up comedy, used to say, I lost my job. He said, well, I didn't lose my job. I know where it is. Just when I go there, somebody else is doing it, right? And and the same thing he says later about his girlfriend. Uh, he lost his girlfriend. He, 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 I know where she is. Just when I go there. Well, never mind. And the point I'm trying to make with everybody is that our loved ones are not lost. If you lost your car keys, would you go look for them? And that's what right. we need to do. Yeah. We need to be open and to hear and to know that our loved ones haven't gone anywhere. They're right with us, right here, right now. Just as you wouldn't leave them, they're not leaving you. And that's the point of my book. 
And that's got to be a very, very comforting message to everyone, because there's nobody uh, walking on the face of the earth today that hasn't lost someone. Um, so talk to us about how you started to come to this realization. Well, it was very quick. Um, the morning after the fire, I received a, a, a voicemail uh, from a woman I used to have. She was a medium in Rhode Island, Cindy Gilman, and I used to have her on the air every once in a while as a guest. And she left me a message, and she said, I heard what happened. She said, if there's anything I can do, please let me know. Well, I was <clears throat> kind of confused because we hadn't publicized about Nikki yet. We hadn't told anybody yet. And I wasn't sure what she was talking about, so I, I called her. And she said that she wanted to come on my show to help people, to know about people who pass, and et cetera. And then I told her about Nick, and she said to me, Oh, I should have said something. And I thought to myself, oh, great, here we go. Now I've got a medium that's going to tell me she knew something she had nothing, no idea of, you know. And I, I wasn't in a good mood that day, as you can imagine. So I hung up on her. And a couple of days later, I called back to apologize, and she said, no, no, you don't know the story. you got to hear this. Now, <clears throat> Jason knows that Channel 10 here broadcast that fire almost all night long. Yeah. And... And Cindy stayed up watching it, and then she finally went to bed. And the next morning she got up, she made herself a cup of tea and sat at her kitchen table. And while she was sitting there, she had what she said was a vision of a charred boy who said to her, please call my father, please call my father. Now, she had no idea who this was. It made her very tense, and she just looked and, and went to her own personal phone book and flipped it open and it opened to the K's and my name was the only name on the two pages. And she thought, well, I'll go on Dave Kane's radio show and find out who this boy is. She had no idea that it was Nikki. Really? And, and did she, did and she, that was the first one. Did yep, she come on your was. show? Like, were you, I mean, that must've caught you off guard if that's the way it happened. Well, of course, it, it stunned me. Of course, it did. She uh, came on the show sometime later, but, oh, I see, but yeah. it, it started the whole Megillah of, of Nikki. I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, uh, the next thing that happened um, was I was doing a show on it, on that Saturday. Now, well, before I get there, I guess i got to tell you about I Can I tell you about the 41 first? Yeah, let's talk about 41. Um, yeah, the, the reason it's called 41 Signs of Hope is because Nikki's number was 41. He'd get in the car and he'd say, Dad, look, it's 241. Or he'd see a license plate, Dad, 4141. He didn't know what it was. Everybody has special numbers. You know, maybe it was your football jersey from school or something. Everybody has a special number. But Nick's was 41, and he didn't know why. When Nikki passed, he was 18 and 23 days, 41. The station nightclub is at latitude 41.41. The fire call box of the station was 4414. And on the cover of my book is a sketch of Nikki from a videotape we found a year after he passed. And in the videotape, his mom's holding him. He's about four months old, and he has a little baseball uniform on, and the number on the cap is 41. Wow. And we realized that it began back then this whole deal of happening. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason I, I'm telling you this is because 
I want to get to some of the story, which is that um, as, as I was telling you, Nick's band was supposed to open for Great White on um, on Friday, and he wasn't getting much money for the gig. And when he got to his girl, I was giving him a ride to his girlfriend's house. And when he got to his girlfriend's house, I said to him, honey, I didn't even pick on you. I said, but I don't know why you're so God's talent so short. And he gave me a hug and a kiss, and he said, Dad, because the show must go on. And he got out of the car. Mm. And those were his last words to me. Wow. Now, the Saturday following the fire, I was booked for a show, uh, and there were 250 people coming for a big fundraising event that I was headlining. And, of course, I thought of canceling the show and not doing it. But I remembered Nikki's words. And so I did the show two days after the fire. Wow. Uh, because Nikki said the show must go on. Wow. Now, while I was, this, this show was supposed to happen at an Elks Hall. And while I was setting up my equipment that, that morning uh, at the hall, um, a, a clock chimed. Uh, and just before the clock chimed, I was, I do a song in the show and I w- was trying to go through it and I, I started to cry. I couldn't, it was a, a, it was a spiritual song that I do. And I started to cry and I said out loud to Nick, Nick, you got to help me. I'm never going to get through this show. You got to help me. And at that point, a, a, a clock chimed in the room. And I thought to myself, oh, great. You know, I'm a comedian. I'm going to get to a, I'm going to get to a punchline and this clock's going to go off and mess it up. So I said to this woman that was setting up the room, excuse me, is this clock going to be going off all night long? What is it? Well, it wasn't a clock. I was in an Elks hall and the Elks have a chime that they ring at 11 o'clock at night and they drink, do a drink to people who have passed Elks who have passed in order to hit that chime. You've got to press a button. There was nobody near it. So when I said to Nick, you got to help me, that bell chimed. Wow. And those were the first two signs. And they continue and continue to this day. Dave, uh, you have mentioned the number 41. Is the 41 in the title by design, or was that uh, purely another one of these what we would consider connections? No, it was it was by design. I, I opted for that name because uh, the forty one, of course, was Nikki's number, and the signs of hope. That's what this this book is about: getting signs that we we don't have to be hopeless. That we we not only are our loved ones with us, but when it's our turn, we don't have anything to fear either. We're going to be just fine. One thing that I tell people, I, the, I didn't write the book to convince anybody of anything. I wrote the book to share the stories. Uh, I don't need to try to convince people. You know, if I invite you guys to my house for a Christmas party and you come in the door and I say, okay, the buffet is in the dining room. All the great food and all the desserts are in the dining room. If you don't go in the dining room, it's not my fault you didn't eat. So my job is to is to let you know that this stuff is available and that you need to open yourself to it and that and that you will find out that there's nothing to fear, uh, either for yourself or your loved ones. Has Nick given you more specific information about his 
existence on the what we'll call the other side. I don't know what better way to describe it. Well, uh, he hasn't he hasn't talked about that to us. Um, but I will tell you that it seems that everything that happens, anything that happens that that's coincidental in the sense of uh, good for us happens around one of his signs. One of the things that we have found over the last 16 years and, and have talked about um, in Scripture, um, everything happens, Forty things happen for 40 days. And then on the 41st day, the good news comes. You know, right now we're in the Lenten season, uh, 40 days of Lent for Christians, and then on the 41st day is Easter. Uh, 40 days and nights of rain for Noah and the ark, and then the dove and the rainbow come. So there are so many times in Scripture, as an example, that the, the word 40, and the number 40, and they use that to mean a lot of days. I don't know if it was literally 40. But the number 40 is all during the pogroms, and then on the 41st, the good news happens. And that's the only correlation we've been able to make to why the number 41. Um, but Nick has not spoken to us about what his life is like. Mediums that we've dealt with, and we have dealt with many, uh, have all told us the same thing without knowing what each other has said. They've told us that Nick's job now is to help children connect with their parents children who have passed, helping to train them to connect with their parents and their families to let them know that they are well. And the same if the parent has passed, to help the parent connect with the child. And several mediums have told us that. And it's been amazing to see how this has been worked out. Well, that's a powerful thing, being that middleman actually trying to connect everybody like that. Well, there's an amazing story about this, and, and I, I guess I can tell it to you now. We got about a minute uh, the, here. We got about a minute before yeah. our next break. So, okay, well, we, we better wait till after the after the break then. Okay, and so then, uh, and then I'll sneak it in. So, quick. let me ask you this: uh, in this minute that we have here, um, you've worked with a lot of mediums. How do you select or decide who you're going to work with? Well, you, 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 mediums are, are just like aluminum storm siding salesmen. There are good ones and there are bad ones in the sense of your own personal relationship. Now, medium, uh, a me, you might go to a medium and have terrific results with them. I might go to the same medium and not so much. Um, it has to do with their own personality and their ability to, to vibrate, I guess. They call the, the, their vibrations are higher. Um, but I don't. When people say to me, "Do you know the name of a good medium?" I don't answer that question in that way because everybody's experience is different. That makes okay. a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah, it does. The book is called "41 Signs of Hope." You can find information about it on his website, DaveCame.net. By the way, Dave came to us because we had been talking with uh, another gentleman who had a similar uh, loss. Well, we use the loss because of, we can't think of a better word at this point. But a, he experienced a similar tragedy when he lost his son uh, in an accident uh, a few years back. His name was Joe McQuillan. Um, he also wrote a book on the subject. Um, Dave, I find that um, you know going through this kind of tragedy, while it's it's almost unspeakable uh, horror in a way, um, but 
folks like you and Joe McQuillan have found a way to turn a what uh, most people might see as something they can't even make it through into a there's a positive message here. Well, we decided from the beginning we were not going to allow this to to we were not going to let anybody uh, take Nikki from us. First of all, uh, we were going to do what we could to take, as you said, something horrible and try to turn it to something positive to help people uh, find some hope, to help people feel uh, elated and, and, and uplifted uh, with the possibilities of what we've experienced. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just, uh, it was so easy to do because uh, it, it wasn't, I, I didn't write the book. I, I shouldn't even be called an author. I'm, I'm a stenographer because all I did was <laughs> write what actually happened in our lives. And that's the message of the book. So you do what you can with life. You have a chance to make something from what's happened to you. You know, in our life, um, it isn't what happens to us. It's what we decide to do about it that makes the difference. Why do you think that uh, Nick is so active on the other side, helping people, sending messages? I mean, that doesn't happen for everybody. Well, I think it happens uh, more than people think. But but uh, Nikki's, I think right now Nikki's job. I am getting these signs uh, and these evidences, and so that we can show them to other people, so they will notice the smaller ones that they get. You know, people get them all the time, but they're so aggrieved, they're so sad that they're not realizing it's happening. I, I sometimes analogize it as two women in a, in a supermarket, and they're talking to each other, and one of them has a little girl who's pulling her coat saying, Mommy, 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 but the two women keep talking. Uh, and, and if you analogize it to the woman who has the little girl talking is saying, my daughter passed away. I really miss her. I wish she was here. And the little girl's pulling her coat and saying, Mommy, I'm right here. I'm right here. Mm. And that's what we need to know, that our children are with us. They go nowhere. Well, and a lot of times that's the biggest thing when it comes down to the paranormal and uh, spirits and all that is that they want they want people to know that they're there. They want people to, to understand that they're still with us, correct? Oh, sure, of course. And and even the skeptics, the people who, who are skeptical about mediums and everything, I call that the Santa syndrome. You know, we were brought up, uh, as, as Christians, we were brought up to believe in Santa Claus. And then you're told, well, maybe not, right? Oh, there's the tooth fairy, right? And oh, well, maybe. And then there's the Easter bunny. And all of these times in our lives as children that we're set up and then we're disappointed. And I think especially with men, they uh, they want this to be true. Who would not want it to be real? But they're afraid that Lucy's going to move that football again, right? They're afraid that it's not going to be true. And that's what keeps people back from taking it in and giving a shot at it. You know, that's what stops them because they're afraid it won't be true and they'll be crushed. Now, you have a couple of uh, 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 other stories I think you'd like to share with us, and I think one of them had something to do with a picture. Um, I, I can't remember the exact story, but something to, something about uh, a camera? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you that. I just want to mention, I just remembered to mention, there is an award-winning uh, documentary called 41. Now, this is not the one about George Bush. <laughs> this is the other one. It's called 41. You can You can rent it on iTunes, and it's all about 
Nikki. It's about the fire and Nikki and, and it's called 41. And you can see the trailer for the movie at 41themovie.com, 41themovie.com. And you can check that out too. Uh, the camera thing I can tell you, um, we have four sons and Chris is the oldest. Nikki is the youngest. And they were just always together. They just got along famously. They were 10 years apart. And Chris was obsessed with videotaping Nikki at every turn, in the house, in the car, on stage, in the backyard, in the bathroom. <laughs> Don't ask. It was never mind. Uh, and, <laughs> and he was obsessed with it. Well, the year Nikki passed, it came to be Chris's birthday. And... We want, he asked for a new camera. So I was going to get him a Sony and my wife said, no, no, he wants a Samsung. And I said, why? She said, I don't know, but he wants a Samsung. So we got him a Samsung and, uh, we're all going to Bugaboo Creek, one of the restaurants. It's about seven of us in the car and we had put Chris's present in a bag, a little present bag. And when he started to take it out, uh, he started to open the box and I should point out that when it was every year, when it was Chris's birthday, he'd let Nikki blow out his candles. So that morning, he's, he's, I mean, that day, he's opening the box, and he says to his mom, I guess this year I have to blow out my own candles. Oh, jeez. And, and he took the brochure out, the Samsung brochure out, and on the cover of the book of the brochure was a, a picture of a little boy blowing out the candles on the birthday cake. Now that would be really cool in and of itself. Yeah. But as I show in my presentation, the boy is an identical, identical face to Nikki. Wow. I put up two pictures, one of Nikki when he's standing behind a, a birthday cake and one from this brochure and it, they are dead on. They are dead on. Now, I chased Samsung for six years to get a hold of somebody. They didn't want to talk to me because they thought they ran a picture of my son without permission. <laughs> so I finally Jeez. got a hold of somebody, and she said, Mr. Kane, I'm going to have the photo, uh, photographer from the shoot call, call you, but this is not your boy. That, bo that photographer called me the following Tuesday morning at 11.41 and said, I'm going to send you all of the pictures. That's from a shoot in San Diego that we did. I'm going to send you all the pictures. And in none of the other pictures does this boy look as much like Nikki as he does on the brochure. Wow. It is astounding. Happy birthday, Chris. Now let's. Uh, how do we? How do we account for something like that? I mean, I, I can't imagine that Nick can manipulate pictures or whatever it happens to be. So where do, where does that sign come from? I have no idea, and that's the thing we have to understand. We don't know how it's done. I don't think we have the facilities to really be able to figure it out. I mean, I have trouble watching Copperfield. Right? I mean, but it's. I don't think it's our job to figure out how they do it. I think you first have to have the belief that it can be done, and and however they do it, it can. Be. We have a picture of of Nikki standing behind my wife, two and a half years after the fire on Thanksgiving. 
Yeah, I've and, seen and that he's picture. Standing yeah. behind her mm-hmm. in, in a hotel room. Yeah, I've seen that picture. Um, that's an amazing picture. It is. Uh, and I know I, I sent you something you can't use. We have e- you. You talk about EVPs, do you? On your show? yeah, we do. Yeah. Talk, we do yeah. talk about and, them. Yeah, and and EV. We have an EVP that I say that I guess you couldn't use, but this EVP is one of the clearest I've ever heard collected, and it is absolutely Nikki's voice, and he is saying to us, "Mom and Dad, this is Nick." And that came from someone else, right? Someone that you didn't know. Yeah, um, my wife had a had a meeting, had a, a, a session with Maureen Hancock, another great medium. And Maureen said to her, "Do you ever hear Nikki call you?" And she said, "Well, sometimes I think I do." And she said, "Well, this time he's going to call you, and there'll be no mistaking it." And on the tape of that session is a little boy's voice, right at that moment, says, "Mommy." Well, that was written up in an, in a journal of EVP collectors. Uh, in a, excuse me, in a newsletter. Mm-hmm. And a lady contacted me from Southern California, and she said to me, I think your son is sending me EVPs. And my first response to me was, Nutburger. <laughs> Here's somebody all great. Somebody who doesn't know Nick, wouldn't know Nick in the lineup. He's going to her. And sure enough, after three or four different EVPs that she got. One said Joe's Nick's mom. Um, another one said uh, said Nikki's last name, and then we got this one: Mom and Dad, this is Nick. Well, and I think you said it best earlier when you said, first off, not to not to really wonder why uh, or I mean how. And I think that's a big thing when it comes down to it. As an investigator, of course, I want to one I want to wonder how these things are possible and so forth. But there comes a point where you just got to throw out the how and just wonder why why you're getting these signs. I mean, there were so many things. Now listen, there can be coincidence, but coincidence counts here. Um, my wife was walking one morning and she was talking to Nick about a house that we had in Cranston. And when he, when we moved out of there, he was very upset because the boys had made a clubhouse in the attic and they had all kinds of stuff all over the ceiling and everything. And my wife said, you know, Nick, and she's walking, she's talking, she said, you know, Nick, one of these days we're going to get that, uh, that house back. Maybe we'll go get it back and we'll bring everybody back. And we'll put up the cartoons and paint on the wall again. And then she said, of course, I can't get everybody back. And as soon as she said that, in front of her was a piece of cheap art paper they give out in school. And she picked it up. And on the other side of the paper, on a, it was dry on a dew-filled morning. On the other side was a picture of a man, a woman, a boy, and a dog. And it was signed, Nicholas. Hmm. Now, at that moment, now a kid could have gotten off a bus and dropped a paper at that, you know, the day before. Uh, there's a million things. Uh, my friend Paul Eno, I'm sure you guys know Paul Eno. Yeah. Paul Eno talks about multiverse, and he talks about how it could actually have been placed right in front of my wife by Nikki as she walked. Who knows? Yeah. I don't care. I only care that it's real. 
and that and that we're getting the messages and we're sharing them with everybody that we can. Yeah, follow the signs. Don't question how they got there, Dave. Um, that be thankful for them too. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna run out of time here soon, Dave. Um, what is the message that you want to send to people who have had a similar occurrence in their lives? Well, to open up and to have faith and to listen and not to dis- discard or, or push off co- what you think are coincidences. They are not. These are our loved ones. Letting They're tap dancing as fast as they can. They're letting us know that they love us and they're with us. Just as you would not leave them, they are not leaving you. Don't be afraid. There's nothing to fear. Embrace it, love it, and speak adoringly. You know, every every time we go out to eat, we set a place, or have it at our house, we set a place for Nikki. Every every year on his birthday, we bring in a medium, and she she reads the whole family. We have a big party, and she reads the whole family. Don't turn your back on your loved ones. It's it, it, you're, you're the ones that's shutting down. You need to be open and hear it. And, and embrace it. And the more you do, the more you'll get. Well, and a lot of people have fear that if their loved ones do pass on, that they're that they want them to fully move on. So because they they're concerned that they're stuck here if if they're communicating with us. And yeah, personally, I don't believe that. I I don't think that. You know, we we've been brought up to look up and say, "I know you're in a good place, mom," and we're looking up into heaven. Mom's standing right next to you. <laughs> I mean, the heaven that we have been brought up to believe in as kids, you know, with the clouds and the angels, uh, it's an image that I don't think is real. I think there is a heaven, there is a peacefulness, I think they're fine, but I think it's more of a parallel universe. Well, I can tell you this, if my that. mother's been standing next to me, I'm in a lot of trouble when I talk to her. Oh boy, you are. <laughs> that's not you. good news. You're, yeah. you are in deep hey, trouble. Yeah. Let's, um, I, I want to take My a... mother isn't even talking to your mother because of what you did. <laughs> I, I want to take a quick call here. Um, this is uh, TJ, and TJ is actually uh, who recommend we get you on the show. Hey, TJ, welcome to the program. Hey, guys, uh, and hello, Father Misgivings. So How are you? I just, yeah, I'm a, a, a lo- loyal listener to uh, Kane and Company with you and Auntie Donna. But oh, thank since, you. You're going to call sometime. What are you doing? I can't. Now, the other thing is, you're, you're getting ahead of my skis here, which is get okay, an 800 sorry, number but... because I'm cheap and suffering from penury here. So oh, yeah. I can't really do it. And last week you had Frank O'Donnell get read by Stephen the Medium. But what I really want to say is, guess what my street number is? 41, I'm guessing. That's it. That's it, exactly. Oh, that's great. That's terrific. Well, thanks for noticing. <laughs> I, I want you, no, I noticed for your benefit, because as soon as I said, I said, you know, i got to actually do this and push the guys here. And I've also been pushing now for Paul Eno, too, uh, because he's got a, a, an interesting take on this. But what he's I really wanted to, um, to ask you about something was when... You have dealings with these mediums that you never, ever really have contact with. Do they not come in when other people are going for their own loved ones? Because the guys will tell you, I'm suffering my own little situation here with what I feel is a big, big, you know, gap in my life through a loss. And I never get anything. And it seems people such as yourself and Joe get these, these uh, messages even when you are not looking for them. 
direct type. Well, yeah, but that you're still open to it. I mean, you you may not be looking for it consciously, but you've got your eyes open, you've got your ears open, and and you don't push off the little coincidence. If something if something makes you think of that loved one, it's them letting you know that they're thinking of you. All right. And okay. we're gonna have to we're gonna have to leave it there, guys. We're just out of time. TJ, thank you for the phone call. Dave, thank you for being here again. Your website is your name, DaveKane.net. Okay, Annie, and thanks a lot, guys. And I'd love to do it again in a better time slot. Dave, <laughs> we, we'll, love, we'll, so we. we'll talk again. So you have God a great bless night. You all. Thank yeah. you. So thank much. you. All right. So on that, we're gonna take a quick break, come back and wrap things up. You listen to Jason and J V Beyond Reality Radio. We'll be back after this. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Joha. That's J O H A W. Momo, or is it Mumu? It's got to be Momo, right? M-O-M-O would be Momo. I don't know. It's a weird name. Momo, the strange case of the Missouri Mo. It has to be Mo because... As long as it's not that internet meme thing. As long as it's not Mumu, M-U-M-U, which is completely weird. Momo? Yeah. That, that Mumu is that uh, that big dress thing that that people wear, which I always think looks. Remember the the Simpsons episode where Homer decided life in a Mumu was just too comfortable. He was always in a Mumu. I think it probably would be. Yeah, it probably it probably it probably would be. Yeah, I'm not going to try it, but no, I, I think don't. It could be. I mean, I if I if was you a judge, show, I would walk around just my robe on. If you show up in your uh, in the studio and we're doing the show and you're wearing a Mumu. It's going to be hard At least to I'll be show. wearing something. It'll be different than usual. Huh? <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. <laughs> Anyways, all right, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. We got Lyle Blackburn, author and cryptid researcher, on hanging out with us. Uh, you're listening to Jason and JV, Beyond Reality Radio. We'll catch you all tomorrow night. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by JV Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.